Hi, and welcome to another podcast from VJ Oncology. Today, we'll be hearing from three leading experts discussing the impact of race on the outcomes of patients with breast cancer, as presented during the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium. A 21 gene recurrence score was established from the Rx Bonder trial to guide treatment decisions among patients with early stage breast cancer. And at the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, we spoke with Yara Abdu of UNC School of Medicine, Chapel Hill, who presented outcomes from Rx Bonder with respect to race and ethnicity. Uh, the race and clinical outcomes sub-analysis was focused on determining whether there were racial or ethnic disparities in that responder trial. Our study objectives were to evaluate the entire cohort by race for clinical pathologic characteristics, analyze the clinical outcomes by race, and determine whether race is predictive of treatment benefit in early hormone-positive breast cancer. The study included about 4,048 women from the responder trial were um, with known race and ethnicity. In regards to clinical characteristics, there were no significant differences in tumor size or lymph node involvement, or even the 21 gene recurrence scores by race. However, there were more high-grade tumors amongst the non-Hispanic blacks compared to non-Hispanic whites and Asians. In regards to outcomes, the non-Hispanic black cohort had an inferior invasive disease-free survival of 87.2% compared to 91.5% in the non-Hispanic white cohort. On the other hand, the Asians had a superior invasive disease-free survival compared to the non-Hispanic whites and other racial cohorts. Additionally, the non-Hispanic black patients had a lower distant relapse-free survival compared to non-Hispanic whites and other races. Adjusting for recurrence score, menopausal status, treatment arm, agent and grade did not seem to alter the impact of race, suggesting that race was independently prognostic in that cohort. In terms of treatment effect, there was no significant interaction between race and treatment arm in either the postmenopausal or premenopausal groups. However, there was a limited number of uh, events in the non-Hispanic black cohort. Therefore, definitive conclusions about the racial differences in treatment benefit cannot be made. Um, we also looked at uh, treatment compliance by race, and we found that non-Hispanic blacks were more likely to accept their treatment assignment compared to non-Hispanic whites, and were just as likely to remain on endocrine therapy at that six and 12 month mark. Um, this data suggests that the outcome differences are less likely attributable to lack of treatment compliance within that first year. However, data beyond the first year is still immature, therefore um, longer follow-up is needed um, to confirm this finding. Next, Maya Octe from Montefiore Einstein Cancer Center discusses racial disparities observed in tumor microenvironment and outcomes in residual breast cancer treated with neoadjuvant chemotherapy. As you may know, most deaths from uh, cancer, any cancer, breast cancer as well, uh, co are caused by distant metastasis. And so uh, five years relative survival of patients with distant disease is 20, let's say 9%, while localized and, and regional is like in 90s and 80s, which is much worse. And this difference is even worse when you compare black patients and white patients in their uh, five-year relative survival. Black, black patients have 40% uh, worse relative survival. And so some of the differences are due to social determinants of health. Uh, some are really due to uh, differences in biology of the disease, heterogeneity of the disease. 
We know that black patients have higher uh, incidence of triple negative disease, but there's also something in ER positive or negative disease that is different between black and white patients because we know patients with ER positive or negative disease, they do much, much worse compared to uh, black compared to whites. And that's shown in a couple of trials already. So, and we showed earlier this year that black patients with a residual disease after neoadjuvant chemotherapy do significantly worse than whites if they have estrogen receptor positive disease, but not an estrogen receptor negative disease. So now we wanted to see what is in the microenvironment that is different. And we, since we studied dissemination, we studied this tumor microenvironment of metastasis doorways as uh, markers of metastasis, we wanted to see if there's difference in that parameter of tumor microenvironment. So what we found is that indeed, the black patients have significantly higher T-membrane density in estrogen receptor positive disease, but not in estrogen receptor negative disease, which was interesting. We also show that T-membrane density is higher in triple negative disease compared to ER positive. This may explain the earlier occurrence in triple negative disease compared to ER positive. Okay, in addition, we showed that black patients who have high, actually all patients who have high T-membrane density do significantly worse. And that persists in ER positive or negative disease and it's completely gone in triple negative disease. When we did then multivariate analysis with multiple cofactors, we found that T-membrane density is an independent prognostic indicator of survival, distant recurrent survival. Patients who have high T-membrane density have twofold increased risk of developing distant recurrence compared to patients with low T-membrane density. And that trend persists in ER positive or negative disease, but it's gone in triple negative disease. So what we are concluding here is that the, the difference in survival in ER positive or negative disease may be due to this dissemination potential of tumor, which may be higher in black compared to white patients. And we are proposing that T-membrane density can be used in the future as a prognostic marker of dissemination, which is the first one, very much unlike markers that are present, like Oncotype primarily measures proliferation and other markers. This is dissemination marker. And in addition, it can be a predictive marker for use of ter therapies that can block T-membrane reactivity. We can also use another approach that I talk about a little bit today, TMM MRI, where you don't have to take patient tissue. You can just do MRI with the, with the contrast, and within the first 60 seconds, you will know if tumor is disseminating or not. So, uh, so we are hopeful that in the future we'll be able to, to uh, fulfill all these milestones. What I would like to emphasize, though, there's a limitation to our study. We did not have pre-chemotherapy samples. So we actually don't know if the, if the uh, 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 baseline TMM density is different between black or white patients or if there's a change during chemotherapy that's different. This is something that we're planning to do in the future. Finally, we spoke with Nalima Vidal from Massachusetts General Hospital, who presented work on the impact of race on clinical, socioeconomic, and genomic characteristics, clinical trial participation, and receipt of genotype-matched therapy among patients with metastatic breast cancer.
So yesterday we also presented a spotlight poster discussion on one of our studies that evaluated the impact of race and ethnicity on clinical socioeconomic and genomic characteristics, clinical trial participation and receipt of genotype match therapy among patients with metastatic breast cancer. So we know from prior studies that race and ethnicity can unfortunately impact patient outcomes in patients with breast cancer. We have previously published data in clinical cancer research um, in which we showed that both cell-free DNA and tumor tissue tissue genotyping assays can lead to the identification of actionable mutations and the selection of matched targeted therapy. And in our retrospective cohort that was previously published, we actually demonstrated that there was a survival improvement in patients who were found to have a cell-free DNA actionable mutation and went on to receive a matched targeted therapy, even after correcting for a number of other demographic variables. However, the impact of race and ethnicity on the selection of genotype matched therapy is not known, so that's something that we sought to evaluate in the current study. So we examined um, a large cohort of patients at our institution who had undergone cell-free DNA um, testing um, in the setting of metastatic disease. And we also collected a number of demographic variables in a retrospective fashion and went on to analyze the impact of race and ethnicity on these variables. So what we actually discerned was that um, there was a wide spectrum of patients that were identified um, and we were able to group these patients as um, white or black, Hispanic or Asian based on their race and um, ethnicity that was self-reported. We found that there were actually similar distributions of disease subtype and standard demographic variables such as age at metastatic disease presentation. However, there was a significant difference in the type of insurance that patients had. White patients were far more significantly likely to have commercial insurance, whereas um, black patients tended to have more um, state-supported insurance, and Asian patients actually had the highest uninsured rates, and this was a statistically significant finding. In addition, we analyzed the median distance that um, patients of various um, race and ethnicity were able to travel to our institution. Um, and we found that white patients actually on average were able to travel farther um, to come to our institution than other races. And this was again a significant finding. However, the clinical trial enrollment rates were found to be similar across these groups, which was um, nice to see. And um, we did find that the percent of patients that had an actionable mutation found in cell-free DNA was similar across these racial and ethnic groups. However, the receipt of genotype-matched therapy did vary based on race and ethnicity. We found that white patients had the highest rates of genotype-matched therapy, which could include participation on a clinical trial or an FDA approved drug or an off-label use of an FDA-approved drug. Even when we corrected for um, the distance from the institution, the disease subtype, and the type of insurance, we found that white patients were still significantly more likely to receive um, genotype-matched therapy. And that is a finding that I think needs to be followed up on. Um, there are certainly many reasons that could be contributing um, to this disparity. One possibility is that we actually did observe higher rates of non-English-speaking patients in non-white races ethnic groups, and it is conceivable that perhaps um, clinical trial consents and trial information were not readily available in these other languages. We also saw that uh, white patients traveled a farther distance on average, and it is possible that there could be a referral bias as well. Um, but this, um, and I think that we also need to think about the cost of prescription drugs and perhaps whether um, some groups found it more difficult to um, handle the co-pays and other costs that are involved um, with receipt of those drugs. So I think that these are
are some findings that definitely need to be followed up in a more structured, um, prospective manner to help us ensure that we're providing equitable care to all patients, regardless of their race and ethnicity. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to head over to vjoncology.com for all the latest updates from the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium. Follow us on Twitter at vjoncology and join in the conversation. And finally, don't forget to visit vjoncology.com for all the latest updates in the breast cancer field. Thank you.